comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Jordan, and Mr. Johnny M. Good evening, fellas. I had almost forgotten what Russell sounded like. <laughs> Welcome back, sir. Glad to be back. We traded a gym for a Russell this evening. Yes, I uh, I finally got out of editing hell from New York Comic Con and all the LOD stuff and our uh, Tech Dudes podcast that we finally got out. So um, it's it's good to actually speak instead of listening to other people speak. Mention that podcast really quick. The Tech Dudes podcast. Who's on it with you? It's uh, it's me and Ken Morgan, my Legion of Dudes co-host, and uh, Mr. Art Lewandowski, who was Ken's previous co-host on the Too Old to Grow Up podcast. So uh, three of us decided we're big tech heads, and we decided to get together and just do a uh, what will probably be twice-monthly um, technology podcast where we just talk about tech and um, try and throw a little bit of a geek flair to it. Talk about things that uh, that interest us in technology. And uh, episode one is up. Um, we don't have an iTunes feed yet, but as you as you hear this podcast, um, it'll probably be up shortly. It is on the main feed. Cool. And I it is up. On, that. Yeah, it is on the main feed. The main feed um, you can find at hhwlod.com. That's right. And uh, we will be recording episode two here pretty quick. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, we're really excited to, to be doing it. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You Jordan guys... lives to plug the network, doesn't he? he, he yes. Thank, doesn't matter what God. you say. And he'll go, and you can get that at hhwlod.gov. You can find Somebody more of Brad's insights on half hour waste at <laughs> hhwlod.com. Uh, so you guys so far as to call them insights. You can find more of Brad's ramblings at hhwlod.com. <laughs> There you go. You can find oh, yeah, our latest good. failures at. If you want to hear names mispronounced, Mr. Bill McGonnell is your <laughs> guy to talk to. Right. Before we go any further into this uh, strangeness that we've delved into already, we have some bloodletting ends that we need to tie up. Uh, you know what, Brad? Let's start with the iTunes reviews that have come in since our last show, please. This came in uh, three days ago from Jason732. Great job, gentlemen. It's nice to have a whole array of opinions about each episode, ranging from so-so to excellent. You guys do a great job of breaking down each episode without being too analytical about it. Nice job, and keep up the good work. Four exclamation points. You know, I get a lot of comments like on Twitter and Facebook and stuff about how people are glad that we don't... Uh, I guess that it's not a giant love fest. And I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I'm I'm totally not in this to... 
you know, kiss AMC's fanny or be a fanboy. I'm we. I think we started this because we were concerned with how they were going to handle this material because we love it so much. Right. And so we're, you know, that's what we're doing. We're chronicling how they're handling it, and it's not and always a home run. We're keeping will, it real. I will go on record right now saying that I'm, I'm not going to be kissing any butt tonight. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah, and I mean AMC doesn't answer my emails, so I don't really care. Um, I also want to mention that uh, we had a an iTunes. But just in case they do, we love you, AMC. Yes, please give us interviews and free stuff. We had an iTunes review last week. I think you recall it, Brad, where the reviewer mentioned that we were dry. Yeah, I don't well, have my soundboard up and running right now. Yeah, well, we made her feel bad. Let me rephrase that. You made that her feel girl? bad. Yeah, you made her feel bad. Her name was Lisa, and she emailed back and said, "Just finished listening to the last episode where you read my review. I didn't mean dry as an insult; just a piece of constructive criticism. You guys <laughs> do a great job." <laughs> so, well, sorry, I, Lisa. I was uh, I was only picking on uh, you, and you know, just for good na- for good natured ribbing. That's yes, all. I told Lisa that uh, we were just kidding around back, and it's cool. And we will try to be more wacky, if possible. John, John, be honest. You told her Brad was just uh, completely insensitive and, and unfeeling towards other people. I, yeah, I said he was from Texas. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we are going to uh, we're gonna ramp it up. This is our wackiest show yet. So <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, all right, so that's our iTunes reviews. Thank you very much. We love the iTunes reviews. They help us a lot. We've been on the front page of iTunes for a while, and that is really cool. It's bringing a lot of new people to the show. So uh, thanks, everyone. And we have a voicemail. Now let's do the email. Jordan, you have an email regarding last show, or it came in since last show. I've actually got two uh, that you sent me. One, one you probably forgot about because it was a few days ago, but I got a kick out of it, so I thought I'd read it as well. This uh, this email is from John. He says, "Hey guys, not sure why you played the Yodeling Veterinarian of the Alps at the end of last episode, but it's one of my favorite. I worked at Big Idea for about ten years, and it's nice to know there's still folks out there who appreciate what we did. Zombies or not, love your show. Keep up the great work, John. Um, and of course, I emailed him back to say the reason we did was because, well." We found out Herschel was a veterinarian, but uh, I'm also a big fan of Big Ideas work. So it's nice to know there's some crossover between VeggieTales and zombies. Who'd have thunk it? VeggieTales are awesome, by the way. They are. And they'd be even awesomer if they were zombies. Our second email, the one John was referring to, is from Damon. And Damon says, Hello, I just watched The Walking Dead Season 1 for the first time a week ago on Netflix and was able to watch all six episodes in two days' time. I found myself hooked just in the five minutes and can't get enough of it. I then watched the first two episodes of Season 2 on AMC over the weekend. After watching Season 1, I went to iTunes and subscribed to two or three different podcasts on The Walking Dead and found yours to be the best of all of them. Also, from listening to your show, I then found out about the comics and plan on getting them as soon as I can. I have listened to your introductory show and all the recap shows, including the Season 2 episodes 1 and 2, and plan on going back now and going through all of your past shows. Thanks for the awesome podcast and keep up the great work. Damon from Houston. And P.S., I didn't hear anyone bring up a key point from Season 2, Episode 1, What Lies Ahead. In the RV, when Andrea takes out the zombie with a screwdriver, which was awesome, that's a sidebar from me, uh, she gets zombie blood all over her face. Are we to assume now that the zombie blood has no consequences, or will it? Hmm, that is the question. And I have an answer, but I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about this one. Well my, well, my original first thought of that was she didn't get it in her mouth. I mean, that's all I can think of. I uh, it's funny. I was watching The Talking Dead, and that 
that uh, question came up when Robert Kirkman was guesting with Chris Hardwick, and uh, Kirkman himself said that will be addressed at some point in the future, the whole bodily fluids thing. So um, I'm, I'm curious as well. And I won't spoil the book, although this has been addressed to some extent in the book, but let's go back to the original George Romero canon. And in the George Romero canon, which so far the, the TV show has followed pretty closely, uh, not to say it follows this for sure, but you, if you die, you become a zombie. doesn't matter if you were bitten or not. If you die, everyone in the world is infected. All the bite does is kill you. It kills you a lot faster than starvation or old age would have. Bite kills you, but you're going to become a zombie no matter what. In I'm that done. case, I mean, last last season, sure, they were worried about getting it in their face and eyes and guts when they chopped up the zombie. But that was just them assuming and being careful. It wasn't them saying, this is for sure the rules of the show. It's just them being careful. And and one of the criticisms I've heard is how did all of these people become zombies so fast? Like, how are these hordes so big? Um, and that would explain it. Yeah, exactly. It's not just the number of, you know, the, the quote I keep seeing is only 7,000 people die every day. So there's no way that many zombies would be able to uh, come back before they were buried and start this whole thing. That's not what happened. So we we saw um, confirmation of that in in last night's episode of the uh, it's not being bitten that turns you into a zombie. When did yeah. we see? I'm blanking on that. When did Let's we see hold that? that. Let's hold on to that. And uh, oh, good, good point. And and when we get to it in the recap, hey, can I just throw this in really quick? Throw it, Brad. Can you guys hear that? Sure. Yeah. That's I'm playing scared. off. That's playing off my cell phone. I just wanted to wish you guys a happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. I did my trick or treating. I was a good dad. Awesome. It's, you know, it's funny. The company I work for, they had because today was Halloween, so people dressed up, and there were three guys that all dressed up as zombie versions of another guy that works at our company. <laughs> it was awesome. That is that awesome. Really awesome. I did the I did something similar to that once a few Halloweens ago. I dressed up as the the chief financial officer of our company, and uh, I won the costume contest. I won a fifty dollar gift card. It was pretty funny because nobody liked that Joker, and I dressed up as him. <laughs> Nice. Um, going back to that Halloween music, to this day, I know this is a tangent, but guess what? I'm used to tangents. Uh, to this day, I cannot watch the original Halloween movie without the sound on. I have to mute it. If I actually want to watch the movie, I have to mute it because John Carpenter's musical score is just the creepiest thing ever. I, I will say the original Halloween is probably, for me, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Because it just, it really just hits that nerve. And I think, Brad, you hit it on the head. I think the music has a lot to do yeah. with that. I mean, it's it's amazing. I can literally can watch it with the sound off. But as soon as that sound comes on, I'm I'm out. I'm done. You will not get me to watch that movie. Hey, I, I'll, I'll fully admit it. We have one voicemail that came in for bloodletting. Let's get to that now. Hi, this is James from North Carolina. I uh, just heard your uh, podcast on the bloodletting episode. I actually uh, didn't get to see that one. Tried to catch the encore, fell asleep, hoping to catch another one. But uh, from what you uh, told in the review, it seemed like a pretty good episode. Um, I think it was Jim that said that uh, Sophia has to be with somebody right now. That got me thinking. So I'm thinking what's going to happen 
for the rest of this, uh, maybe half a season. Probably uh, Sophia will be found hanging out with Merle. Uh, maybe Merle will come and attack the farm with a uh, some kind of biker gang or, uh, you know, remnants of the Vatos or something, I'm not sure. And uh, we're going to get some kind of siege action going on. Uh, um, hopefully uh, you, you guys can comment and let me know what you think on my theory. Once again, uh, love, love, the, well, love the podcast, uh, love the whole network, and uh, hope, uh, hope it stays successful. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you, James. That was actually me, my theory that uh, Sophia has to be taken by somebody. You know, I was thinking about people that she could pop up with, and it all seems like too big of a coincidence to me. You know, like if Merle found her or if the Vatos found her, you know, it I seems was, like it would be too convenient. I was thinking the same thing. I think it would be a little cliche or convenient for her for Merle to have found her. Uh, this just seems like the easy way out. What about Morgan? Morgan Jones. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, for some reason that doesn't... Well, maybe... You know what, Jordan? Maybe Merle... Uh, uh, the hell's his name? Morgan. Morgan. Maybe Morgan has uh, been hearing Rick on the radio. Maybe he did see the note they left on the, on the, the car and uh, has been trying to find them and ran into to Sophia. That might work. Could be. I, I hope somebody has her because I mean, not to get too much on this past episode, but if they go too many more days with her lost somewhere, it's really going to be. Um, I hate to use the word implausible because it's a show about zombies, but it's it's really just going to not sit well with me. Let's put it that way. If she's I have just f- still wandering or like holed up in a hut somewhere, I have a feeling they find her or she shows up right at the end of this first seven episode pod. I have a feeling that would just be a great, you know, she shows up and reveals something major. You know, there's a group like, like uh, I think it was James said, a group of, you know, biker gang or something is coming to attack us or something, something to put the second half of the season in motion would be my guess. But, you know, it's just speculation. Well, thanks again, James. And thanks for listening to uh, all the shows. And again, we love voicemails. I know a lot of people are into like just leaving Twitter and Facebook comments, which are awesome, too. But it's much more interesting to play voicemails than read Twitter. Um, 516-468-7912. And the email is comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Yeah, if you're if you're afraid of how you sound on the phone or or that you're leaving a voicemail, record a little short MP3, you know, if you that we if you feel more comfortable being able to clean it up or whatever, you know, do that. Send us send us a send us an email with a voicemail attached. And we'll play it that way. If you're, if you're afraid of awesome. sounding stupid on the podcast, just listen to our show a few times. Yeah, and yeah I was going to say. All of your fears us, will you know. go away. <laughs> yeah. If you have a theory about where Sophia is, you should definitely email us or send us a voicemail. Because not only might it get played on the show or read on the show, you could win a very fun prize. I have in my possession volumes one and two of the of the walking dead that's the trades so the first six issues and the seventh through twelfth issue signed by robert kirkman the creator of the walking dead and by chris hardwick the host of talking dead on amc if you call in or write in with your theory of where sophia is and you're correct and if we have multiples of course we'll, we'll pick a random one if you're correct about where she is or what happened to her, whatever the case may be, you could win either Volume 1 or Volume 2 of the trades signed by Robert Kirkman and 
Chris Hardwick. So follow those uh, those links. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. John just mentioned them. Comments at walkingdead.com or walkingdeadtv.com. And, of course, the email and the, the voicemail. And you could win those trades. Sweet. So uh, we have a sponsor. And then we're going to get right into Save the Last One. Russ, who is sponsoring our show tonight? Our sponsor, as always, is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can get tons of comics for um, 30, 40, 50, even sometimes 75% off of retail price. And if, as you hear this, if you hear this shortly after it comes out, um, you should be able to go to DCBService.com and pick up if you're following or wanting to follow The Walking Dead. Volume 15, which is the most current tr- uh, trade covering the most recent six issues, which will actually ship, I guess it, it'll be de- December it'll ship. Um, it's on sale now, 40% off at eight ninety nine dollars um, if you pre-order it. And they also have gone back and gone back to print on all of their previous volumes. So you can get trade volumes 1 through 14 for all 40% off. Um, as well as they've, they've gone, it looks like they've gone back to print on a couple of the hardcovers, um, some of the what they call omnibus, which are two hardcovers uh, as well, and they're all those are thirty percent off. So as well as the current months, uh, Walking Dead Weekly, and the most current issue of the actual Walking Dead monthly comic series. So you can get all that at DCBService.com. Somebody was asking me when they when we think or if we know when Compendium Volume Two would come out, and I'm thinking we still. I'm figuring they got to get to around it to issue a hundred or so. Ninety six because the first one's forty eight, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, is ninety six a good endpoint, or we don't know yet? I guess well, we don't know not, yet. Hasn't been printed yeah. yet. They're only right. at the ninety. Yeah, I think ninety is yeah. So we're about six months. So I guess trade sixteen will core. Yeah, because the first eight trades. So. So the next trade will correspond with the next compendium, is my guess. Very nice. Well, I think it's time that we finally get to our recap for Save the Last One. I'm going to send it over to Mr. From Jersey to do the honors. Well, one of our followers on Twitter, Sarah Simmons, she writes for Picktainment.com, and she that's P-I-C-K-Tainment.com, and she does really, really awesome recaps of The Walking Dead. So because she's one of our listeners, one of our Twitter followers, we're actually going to use her recap tonight to go through the episode. So Save the Last One starts with a flash forward. It starts with a uh, very steam-filled room as someone is shaving their head with an electric razor. And we eventually see that it's Shane, and once he's done, he looks in the mirror, and it's very disconcerting. It's a super creepy look into the mirror. And then we head back into our main timeline. This brings up an interesting question that I'll pose to you at the end of the recap, because we obviously go back to that scene. I didn't. I really was still in the dark at this point. Like, why would he be shaving his head? So yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna get to everything as we get to it. But I think it was a good way to. I, I didn't see anything coming in this part of the storyline. Yeah, there's a storyline in the comics where two characters who aren't even in the show yet shave their heads, but it's... I was trying to think if there's any way it could be connected, and I was very confusing myself. for entirely different reasons. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I was like, I don't see how this fits at all. But we definitely speculated a lot during the off-season, or at least I did, when I saw pictures of, you know, John Bernthal at Comic-Con, when he was at NYCC, you know, the shaved head, I speculated he was dead already, but it's very cool to see that they gave him a story reason, which, like you said, Brad, we'll get to later, for why he would change his hairstyle. So at this point, watching the show, I was thinking, okay, 
obviously this is a fast forward because they're not going to skip and not go back to that skip some time and not go back to that story. So this is the fast forward. Last week started with a fast forward. This is our fast forward. So I started thinking, what could possibly make him want to do that? And I started thinking maybe he, he got zombie guts in his hair and it just wigged him out and he wanted to get rid of it. But as we'll see later, I think where they went made much, much more sense. Yeah. And I don't think there's any way you could come up with it yet. You know, like, (laughs) It I was saw so a lot out of, of feedback on Twitter and message boards about people s- complaining that this ruined the um, ruined the, the the anticipation of it, is he going to die or is he not at the school? Did it bother you knowing that? Well, obviously he makes it back in one one more or less one piece. I I think for me it was just kind of a preconceived notion. I didn't at this point I really didn't have any worry that Shane wasn't going to make it back just because I know that. I felt Carl was pretty safe. So I don't, I don't think that that really spoiled anything. I, w- one thing real quick and Jordan, you, you can speak to this probably better than, than Brad or, or John can. D- did you get kind of a breaking bad vibe out of the way they did that, you know, with the whole foreshadow and then, and then we get the, what happened after. Yeah. Breaking bad starts. Oh, probably good. What? 60% of its episodes with a flash forward like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that this was used as effectively as they use it because they really have it down pat, yeah. but yeah. it didn't bother me. I thought it, I thought it was effective. I thought, um, you know, I, I agree with you, Russ. I, there's no way Shane was going to die at the school. So this kind of removes – it takes that question off the field of is he going to die and it puts a completely different question that you could actually do have to wonder about, which is why is he shaving his head? If we already know he's not going to die, let's put another question out there entirely. And, and I think that works. I agree. So then we go back to our main timeline where we have uh, Lori and and Rick waiting at Carl's bedside. And Rick is telling Lori a story about the time Shane stole – what was it? The vice principal's car or the principal's car yeah. right in the middle of the day? Yeah, yeah the principal's yeah. car. Drove it to a uh, chicken farm, put bird seed in it, opened it up, let the chickens in, and ran back three miles before uh, I guess anybody missed him. Right, which uh, I thought was pretty funny. I thought it was really good voiceover. We did have some complaints on the Facebook page uh, complaining about you know, this being product placement for Hyundai. Did that bother anyone else? It didn't even stick out to me in the episode. No. I didn't even notice it. I'm did okay they, with product placement. Did they actually placement. say the word Hyundai in the in the show? Well, they refer to it as a Hyundai coupe, and then that makes the joke of it's a chicken coupe. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this. I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or if it was on Legion of Dudes, but – um, product placement really doesn't bother me as long as it's not completely in your face or very unnatural. I mean, that is something w- w- a normal person would say a Hyundai coupe or, you know, a Hyundai, you know, whatever, or a Chevy, this or that, or they, they would mention products. I mean, in real normal con- conversation, you would mention product names and you would see products. I mean, if you walk through somebody's house as they were talking, you know, you're going to see Coca-Cola or you're going to see, you know, Kellogg cereal or whatever it is. So product placement, like I said, unless they, you know, shove it out at the camera, unless they're doing it for comedic effect, doesn't, doesn't bother me. And I think the sad reality nowadays is in the ages of DVRs that advertisers are going to pay extra money for you to mention their products in the show. I mean, we saw it on 24 with the Sprint phones, uh, Sur- Survivor does it now. Jeff Probst commented once, maybe on Twitter, about how people watch on DVRs now and they go past the 
the um, commercials. So Sears Craftsman paid lots of money for them to plug their tools on the show for one of their challenges on Survivor or whatever. So I think that's something that we're only going to see more and more of, and the challenge will be for them to do it cleverly, like taking the coop and making the Hyundai coop and making it a chicken coop. I didn't hear that last night. I must have missed it. But to me, that's clever. And that's yeah. an excuse to say Hyundai coop. You and it I mean? wasn't like he stole his Hyundai coupe because it has the best gas mileage. No, they just mentioned passingly right. in conversation. There's a car. Right. Or uh, I particularly liked, and I, I commented this on the Facebook page, but, you know, in what was episode one, we had the product placement of Gerber tools. I thought that was genius. That was a great uh, you know, use of product placement. What would these survivors want more than anything else? A set of knives. Who makes knives? Gerber. Perfect. Perfect product placement. They weren't gratuitous with it. They pulled it out. You saw the logo for about three seconds, and then they were using these awesome knives to hack up zombies. Just, I, I want to say something about the story about the whole chicken coop and everything, but first I want to say that I think these companies are wasting their money because I don't want to buy a, uh, how do you, the hell do you say it, Hyundai? I, <laughs> I still can't yeah, say exactly. the damn car. I don't want to buy those knives. I have no subliminal messages taking toll on me. Uh, I, I don't get it, but... It doesn't bother me, I guess was my point. Um, back to the chicken coop story, I think the important thing that we should just talk about is that, you know, Rick goes and says a number of times, I know you've heard this story, and he talks about it being legendary, and they're just really making the point that when Shane wants to do something, Shane gets it done, and, you know, that's why he was comfortable sending him on this mission, so to speak, for Carl, but it, it becomes, I think, a lot more important later that when Shane sets his sights on doing something, you know, he finds a way to get it done. And doesn't us, as the viewer, give a little more insight to the fact that Shane and Rick have been friends for a long time? Because was that explicitly mentioned previously? No, I, I remember hearing in the episode thinking, oh, I didn't realize they were friends all the way back to high school. So yeah, I, don't think, I don't think we've had that information uh, so far in the in the show, I also wanted to comment that I think it's also uh, important that Rick was saying a lot of that and emphasizing his uh, emphasizing Shane's ability to get things done to convince himself and Lori that he's going to be okay, that he's going to make it back because the thought of losing Shane was just too much for him. Losing Carl? No, well that oh, too, but both. Okay. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Because if Shane doesn't come back, Carl dies. But I also don't want Shane to die, my best friend, you know, my in my whole world. So while we're hearing this voiceover, Rick telling the story, I believe we're seeing Shane and Otis, you know, trying to run away from the zombies, right? Doesn't it happen at the same time? Yeah, they cut away back and forth. That's something so, the show's done really well, is they'll they'll cut back and forth from scene to scene to to really give the feeling that this, these are happening at the same time, and I, this, I appreciate that as a viewer. Is this the point where they're running through the halls in the school, and like they keep getting to the end of the hallway, and there's like a chain on the door? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they give that yeah. look to each other, and then they turn down another hallway. Uh, something about that made me laugh. And you know what? To, to speak to that, I, or not to the to the chains, but I think it was good that they chose to do the voiceover from from you know story A coming over for the visuals of story B because when it was just the voiceover, when they went back at the end to Rick and Lori, it felt much more like, oh, here's Rick monologuing. It felt less real when you were looking at him talking than when you were hearing him and seeing the other events. Plus, so, for me, it, it, I, I was almost getting bored with the house story. 
it's much more interesting to hear that story as it's being told while we're seeing Shane and Otis try to right. escape. I was, uh, I was dangerously close to hitting the 30 second forward button just to see where the show went last night. The good, good thing. The, the Shane Otis plot line was happening at the same time. So eventually uh, the voiceover is done and we're watching Shane and Otis and they're trapped in the gym of the school. And what are they on top of? Are those floorboards for like changing the floor into a basketball court versus something else? Or? Yeah, they're no. bleachers. They're, they're yeah, bleachers you're... that fold up to the wall. Oh, okay. Yeah, you pull them out from the bottom. They're kind of like um, collapsible stairs, I guess. You pull them out from the bottom and then to have people sit on them when you're done, you, you push in from the bottom and they just kind of close back up inside themselves. Okay. I thought it was a very cool set piece, though, that had them just out of the reach of all these zombies where they have a second to catch their breath and discuss what they're going to do. And, and what they decide is uh, they're going to shoot a couple of the zombies to get their attention. Otis is going to run for uh, a locker room where he can possibly you know, get out of a larger window because he needs a larger window. What, meanwhile, Shane is going to go the opposite direction and climb through a much smaller window and drop two stories to the ground because there's more of a likelihood of a chance that he'll be able to make that drop than Otis. So they decide to split up. While this is all going on, we've got Daryl and Carol and Andrea in the RV. Andrea or Andrea's trying to put together the gun, and she seems like she's getting much better at that, much faster anyway. Uh, Daryl is just being annoyed, and, and Carol is crying incessantly, so he decides, okay, I can't take any of this anymore. I'm going to take my crossbow, and he goes out to walk the road and look for Sophia, and Andrea volunteers to go along too. Yeah, I thought it was funny that he couldn't get any sleep because Carol was crying and Andrea was clicking the... <laughs> the gun parts together. Um, two things quick. One, over the bed in the RV is the upside-down American flag again. Yep, um, from last season. Yeah, I don't think... Was that the spot where it was last season, though? Or is this a different Yeah, because it was right behind Jim. That's where Jim okay, was dying. Okay, fair enough. And there's a shot that AMC has of the bleacher scene with, uh, with Shane and Otis up on top of the bleachers. And there's a big homecoming banner that says September 8th, 2009. Um, so obviously that was planted. The day before my birthday. Excellent. So obviously that was planted because if they if it was really in the high school, it would say 2011, etc. So does this do anything for us timeline-wise? Do we have any other dates to line this up with, or is it just kind of general? Well, what's interesting to me is if I were to assume anything, I would assume it would have said September 8th, 2010, which would be a month before the series premiered and would be, you know, about when the Zompocalypse would have happened. But this is a year and a month before that. So it could be an old banner. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have an old banner like that up in the high school. I yeah. Mean, so I'm, that's why I'm it seems my, odd. I'm at my daughter's high school a lot with her games and, and whatnot. And, you know, they update that stuff every week. So. But, I mean, if it said September 8th, 2010, wouldn't that make a lot more sense? Yes, it would have. It would have. And so part of me says, does it really matter when this story takes place? No, it's just interesting that it's yeah. so central in the promotional images. You know what? Honestly, I never even noticed that banner last night. It's yeah. pretty dark and hard to see in the actual shot. But, yeah, I'm looking at the same promotional image John is, and, and it's much easier to read in this image. Gotcha. Hey, before you move on with your recap. Sure. Let me ask you guys this. Did you guys have trouble understanding what a lot of characters were saying in the first 20 minutes of the show? Did it sound muffled? Did the audio sound not crystal clear? Or was it just possibly 
the transmission I was receiving off my dish. I had a problem when Andrea and Daryl were outside. I had no problems. I'm going to assume it's the latter for you, Brad, but I don't know. I had yeah, I, I had a lot of trouble hearing was being said in the house. So maybe it was just the acoustics in my living room. Maybe it was, you know, I was tired and my ears weren't working or something. But I don't know. It just seemed odd to me that I was having trouble hearing things. So as long as it wasn't that way for everybody, I guess it's okay. And I won't worry about it. So then we go over to another story. Uh, Glenn and T-Dog show up at the farmhouse in a pickup truck. And uh, they're kind of greeted and surprised but at the same time by Maggie, who's kind of sitting on a, on a chair out front and scares him. You know, they, they look at T-Dog's arm, make sure it's not a bite. Uh, they bring him inside to get w- uh, worked on. And I guess that's um, that's Otis's wife or girlfriend that works on him, right? For Patricia, Otis. I think. Yeah, yeah I think well, they... Otis's wife. And uh, we also see, you know, Herschel saying, if Shane and Otis don't get back soon, we could still try the surgery. There's a much much smaller chance it's going to work. But if we don't do anything, Carl's certainly going to die. So it's kind of a, a last-ditch effort. Hey, let me ask you this. In watching the show... Did we get any kind of indication as to whether or not Otis was related to Herschel and his family? Um, no, I don't. I don't think we know anybody's relation to anybody in that farm yet, really. Well, we know. know. Well, we know a couple of things that Maggie talks about, like stepfather, or not stepfather, but stepmother, stepbrother. Uh, and she talked about Otis being around. I think since she was a kid, or she's known him since she was a kid. So it could be maybe he worked on the farm, or he. You know, he was, you know, obviously if, if Herschel's a vet, you know, somebody would have to take care of the farm. And I almost, it almost seemed to me like that was, that was Otis's role. So then we go back to Andre and Daryl in the woods for what I thought was a pretty fun scene where they're looking for, for Sophia and Daryl, Daryl tells a story about how he was once lost in the wilderness for nine days when he was about that same age. And, uh, you know, Sophia's got an advantage because people are actually looking for him, for her. No one was looking for him. He just had to survive on berries and wiping his behind with poison sumac, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, and there was a line about Merle, uh, like, coming back from parole or something and not uh, even knowing he was juvie, gone. I think it was. Yeah, he, he didn't even know that, uh, that Daryl was gone and stuff. I like this Daryl better than the philosophical Daryl. Uh, I don't know, that part gets a little bit old for me, but I think it was Russ that said it's better than him just being the stupid redneck all the time, so... Yeah, yeah just I, giving him depth. Yeah, to me, the, the racist redneck thing just wears thin. It's so one-dimensional. It's like, I, I get it if you're just trying to set him up that way in the beginning to kind of get the tone of where he's coming from, but to give him a little more, um, you know, like we said, depth and a little more characterization, I'm, I'm, I, I liked it a lot. I, 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 this whole scene with him and Andrea, I thought was, was good on a lot of levels. Our next scene is one I'm sure will be a very divisive one, uh, between fans of course, and also as hosts, but this is the scene where Lori and Rick have a long discussion. Lori says, you know, maybe Jenner back at the CDC was right. Maybe if Carl dies tonight, it's for the best. You know, this, this whole horrible thing ends for him. He doesn't have to see any more of this. You know, she, she doesn't like to say it, but look, this is a horrible world. It's no place for a kid. It's not going to get any better. You know, best case scenario, things get worse slowly instead of quickly. And maybe if he dies, it's all good. Um, Carl has, you know, a brief, you know, first he kind of talk. he wakes up and talks a little bit. He talks about the deer and how pretty it was. Then he starts having a seizure. It's 
really traumatic and really, uh, you know, grabs you by the jugular. And Herschel comes in and says, you know, he's going to have another, he needs another transfusion. And Rick, Rick uh, volunteers for another one, even though it could kill Rick just as much as, uh, as Carl is in jeopardy. Now, I know a lot of people are going to react differently to Lori's speech. I thought it was uh, tremendous, actually. You know, I don't hate Lori as much as many people do or did. And I certainly don't agree with her philosophically for what she was saying. However, I thought the writing of that speech was fantastic. And I thought her delivery was equally as good. I, I thought it was a really well thought out, well thought out, well paced and well delivered argument, regardless of the fact that I disagree with it. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with Jordan. I You can't get behind that philosophy. You know, it's just not in human nature to, you know, root for someone who's ready to pack it in. But uh, de- definitely delivery and writing, I was I, I liked it. Here's here's my take on this scene in conjunction with the others. And and I wasn't on episode one and two to, to kind of expand on this either. But I really think these this episode and the two previous almost could have been condensed down into two episodes. It it feels to me a little bit, and this scene kind of accentuated it, given the other scenes we've seen in the uh, in the farm dealing with with uh, Carl. Um, that it, it's almost like it's spinning its wheels a little bit, and that we're we're not moving things forward enough. I mean, Sophia's being been gone for like four days and they're still looking. Carl's been shot and, you know, we're having kind of these conversations over and over again. I think, I think Rick needs to demand the hell up because he's, and, and maybe this is intentional. Um, but, it, but Shane is kind of taking that role. You know, Shane is, especially after what happens in this episode, um, is kind of becoming more of the, the the center and and you know the, the 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 focal point for the team it seems because Rick is just can't seem to get it together and and harden himself and do what he needs to do so I just I, I and I agree with what you guys are saying and and I, and again like we say a lot of times even a mediocre episode of The Walking Dead is still better than ninety percent of the crap that's on television um, but I just think they might have been able to tighten this up a little bit. And I'm not saying that we need to have action and zombies in every, you know, scene and every episode, but it just seems like things could have just picked up a little bit. I agree with you in, in your comments about these two episodes needing to be one. Uh, I also agree with the spinning the wheels description. Like I said, I was dangerously close to being bored. I was definitely bored last week. I was dangerously close to being bored this week. These last two episodes should have should have been one. I would agree. Um, however, in your comments about Rick, speaking as a father whose children on occasion have been very sick, it, it nothing else matters at that point. Um, when you're watching your one-year-old child fly away in a care flight helicopter, taking her to the nearest hospital... You don't give a crap about anything else that's going on in your world. That happened to me when my younger daughter was one, and I didn't give a damn about anything. So I can kind of see about or see and understand why Rick is, as you so eloquently put, not manning up at the moment, because that's his flesh and blood who's close to death. Um, was it a bit melodramatic? Yeah, it was again, like last week, but. 
I would say that I kind of understand what Rick's going through, or I can imagine what Rick's going through, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I guess from my perspective and just kind of being not with my kids, but just, you know, with, with my wife time and again, having a couple health scares that were one of them was pretty serious. I yeah, just looked I at it. I don't, I, I didn't mean that the, my, the health scares with my child were any different than yours with your wife. And no. I, I was not making light of that at all. No, 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 no. And I didn't take it. There. But here's, here's where I'm going with that. Okay. Um, in my situation, from my perspective, I had to be steady and I had to, you know, I couldn't sit, th- sit around and wallow and, and feel sorry for myse- myself or feel grief or anything else. I, I had to be the steady one so that, you know, the kids weren't afraid and that other people weren't freaking out and afraid. And, and maybe it's just, I, I'm putting too much of my own personal experience in, in it, but I just, and maybe I'm trying to project myself onto Rick's character, but in my, in, if I were in his shoes, I, I would, as a person, I would, I would have tried to be more solid and stand my ground and, and not let as much emotion show for the sake of others, if not for myself, if that makes sense. Let's not forget though that Rick has now given two blood transfusions in very short amount of time and it's just given a third. I mean, I think that covers a lot of yeah issues but, with his thinking. I mean, yeah, regardless of whether is, you agree with him, he's low on blood. Right, but I mean this this was and and if, if if this wasn't going on prior to that, then I would say yeah, you're probably right, but it just seems like we've had too much of the too much of this of this Rick. Um and again, I think that part of the other thing is is being a little biased in the comic and seeing how how much I think stronger overall of a character he is at this point in the book. Um, I think is is biasing me a little bit as well. I agree with you one hundred percent. I said to Russ earlier as we chatted a little bit and then said we better save it for the show that this is Daryl and Shane's television show right now, regardless. Oh. 100% totally. Right. Regardless yeah. of, we can definitely find reasons why Rick would be in the state that he's in right now. And I'm not disagreeing with Jordan's explanations at all. But the fact of it is, you know, we're used, we're used to hero Rick and we're getting hero Shane and Daryl. And that's, you know, that's not even a complaint. That's just fact right now. One other thing to talk about real quick uh, with Lori. I was really also impressed with how the writers brought back their decisions they made in episode six of season one. I thought it was important that, um, you know, they didn't leave the CDC behind and that, that easy opt out that, you know, the suicide solution, they didn't leave that behind and never think about it again. I like the fact that because things got worse since they made the decision to live, that Lori is still is thinking back to, Hey, we had that out. I, I like that. She's bringing that up again. She's dealing with it like a rat, not necessarily rational, but like a real human being would of, did I make the right decision just, you know, two, three days ago. And it also kind of gives credence to why Ange- uh, Angela, why uh, Andrea is pissed at uh, Dale. Dale, right, right, exactly. It kind of fits in, you know, it's not directly related, but same idea, you know, sh- he's making the choices for her, and maybe that would have been better. But to head back to the Shane and Daryl show, or at least the Shane show for now, um, 
Shane and Otis, they split ways. Both of them injure their legs in their escapes through the various parts of the school. Uh, but so now Shane is outside. He's trying to get away from all the zombies, but he keeps getting surrounded by them. Luckily, he's kind of on the other side of a chain link fence from the majority. So he's able to pick off the few around him. But uh, he meets back up with with Otis. Otis saves his life real quick. They start running away. They're both limping. Zombies are catching up. And uh, as Sarah points out in her recap, they're definitely both limping. They're definitely both in pain. Things do not look good for either of them. How did how did Otis hurt his hurt himself? When he jumped off the uh, the collapsible bleachers. Oh, that's right. Okay. I don't. I mean, it was it was difficult to tell whether yeah. he just tripped, but I think he like. I mean, it was a good what ten foot drop. Yeah, he's I a mean, heavy I man. I don't remember. I don't know when the last time is that any of you jumped off of something high up off the ground, but onto a basketball court. It hurts. I yeah. mean, you know, I for some stupid reason I I jumped off a roof, which was only nine or ten feet off the ground, only like last year, and I'm I was forty one last year, and I'm thinking I can do this, but it hurt like hell. And obviously, you know, jumping off those bleachers that they were taller than that, and and then. Shane jumping out of the window, which is what a couple of stories high. I mean, that's ridiculous. That was great. That scene. I think we kind of passed over it, but he's trying to like lower himself out of the window real carefully and get like hang as low as he can, you know, before he drops. And then that zombie pops out of the window. I almost screamed out loud. It's a very cheap (laughs) jump scare, but it was very effective for sure. Well, there there was another one that's coming up in your in your recap that got me, and I literally jumped. I should have expected it, but it it totally got me. And you know what? That's refreshing, actually, to feel that way, because, you know, after seeing, you know, the show week after week and the movies we've seen, you know, we get jaded to those kinds of cheap scares, I think. But it it, so actually being scared in that manner was was really pretty kind of cool. So after that scene, we catch back up with Daryl and Carol. Carol, remember, she was crying in the RV. Dale's on top, keeping watch as normal because it seems he doesn't really do much of anything else, although it is a very, very useful skill. Uh. He, at first, he's contemplating smoking, but he's he's interrupted by Carol, and uh, he decides he's going to go walk around, and he leaves Carol to keep watch. Yeah, did we catch—somebody was asking why exactly did he need to go away? Was it directly after—did she mention to him that Daryl was with Andrea, and then I he left? I thought he knew that. I'm going to look back at that, because— I, Oh, the recap says Carol says he doesn't need to worry about Andrew because he's with or she's with Daryl. Okay, so I'm guessing that's exactly what he's worried about. <laughs> See, I'm I'm thinking he's he's not worried about it. I'm thinking he's just worried, you know, because she said something like she'll be okay or whatever, and Dale's like, "What are you talking about?" And she, you know, she basically was saying Andrew will be okay. I I, I kind of got the feeling that that Carol was saying, "I get it, Dale. I know how you feel about." Andrea and she's going to be fine and just the fact that she said that made him start worrying even more and just wanted to be as close to the situation as possible just in case he needed to help or whatever there's three things one I think you're exactly right Brad I think he needs to go think about that I think he wants to go have a cigarette maybe away from Carol because she's kind of annoying and I think also you know later not spoil things but he comes back with an object I think he might have been going to wherever he had stashed that object to get that as well. I don't recall that. So that'll be well, I'll bring it up when he comes back, but, yeah. um, you know, you know, definitely it was w- a little weird him like smelling the pack of cigarettes, but <laughs> yeah, but he didn't pull the cigarettes out either when he walked out there to, 
Well, but we didn't see what he did once he walked out there. I mean, he might have wanted to get a little bit farther away so she didn't smell it or something. I don't know. Maybe she's a very big anti-smoker or something. I think we're reaching a little bit now. Probably. <laughs> uh, back to Daryl and Andrew in the woods. They come across a tent and there's a zombie hanging from a tree uh, with a suicide note tacked right up there that says, Got bit, fever hit, world gone to sh- might as well quit. Oh, you know what? Earlier I said something about evidence that whether you d- when when you die, doesn't matter if you're bit or not, you're going to turn into a zombie. I had forgotten about that poem, and he actually said he got bit. So when I was saying that, I was thinking, okay, the guy that hung himself in the tree just hung himself because he knew there was no way out and he didn't want to live in this world. I had actually forgotten that he had said he got bit. So my theory or my example of that being proof that when you die, you'll be zombified anyway. It doesn't matter if you got bit. That blows that out of the window. So they have a discussion about uh, Andre wants him to, to kill the zombie, take him down. He doesn't want to waste the, the crossbow bolt. Uh, but he asks her the question of whether, you know, now that she sees what it's like for someone who opted out, although I don't think his argument really holds up because that's not a person who opted out so much as got bit and just saved himself from attacking other people. But regardless, uh, he asks Andrea whether or not she wants to live now. She says she'll trade him an answer for an arrow. So uh, he, he shoots the zombie. She says she still doesn't know whether she wants to live. And he says it was a waste of an arrow. Or crossbow bolt. Our Twitter friend, uh, Lynn, had a pretty cool comment at this point in the show. She said, quite a difference of character from uh, Rick, you know, feeling so bad and wanting to put the bicycle girl out of her misery. And Daryl, ready to just walk away from the zombie hanging by its neck. Because <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to waste an arrow. The zombie who I love the design of, you know, hit before he was zombified, the zombies came and ate away his legs after he hung himself which was yeah. totally gross, but a really cool detail. Yeah, and Andrea throws up. Did we mention that? That was pretty funny. I know that. Yeah. It's just very I, understandable. I love that scene. I mean, just the fact, again, you get some, some more, I guess, dose of reality to it. It's like, okay, we know nothing about this guy or anything, of his situation or whatever, but the fact that he he just hung himself and the and then he ended up turning into a zombie anyway. And he's got, I mean, who knows how long he's been hanging up there. And that's what kind of made me chuckle a little bit is this, this poor schmuck has been, you know, hanging for, you know, months at this point, possibly longer. Um, I, I just, I just thought it was a really cool scene. And then I thought it was a great moment between uh, Daryl and Andrea as, as well. Are we, are we feeling anything between the two of them possibly in the future? I, a little bit. I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't um, either. I, I yeah, I, I wasn't at all. I I think I, I don't know. I I I can't explain why I wasn't, but I just I just didn't get that. I can explain why you weren't because there wasn't anything there. Well, there well what I did was I probably put two and two together, but my first two was wrong because I I really felt that Dale left the RV when he heard she was with Daryl. So that made me think, oh, if those two get together. Dale's going to have a serious problem with Daryl. So it kind of escalated from from that line of thinking. But, uh, you know, you never know. We don't know Daryl at all. He's a new non-comic character. So you never right, know. Exactly. So we head back to the farmhouse where Patricia is sewing up T-Dog's arm. Uh, she asks where the antibiotics he, he got, where they came from. And Glenn says they're from uh, from the time Merle Dixon got the clap. He had some left over. And she says that uh, Merle's clap was the best thing that ever happened to T-Dog, which was funny. 
Uh, Glenn gets a little skittish. He walks outside and Maggie comes over and talks to him and she asks him if he's praying. And he says, yeah, but it's his first time. They discuss whether God exists and, uh, you know, why all these prayers are going unanswered, etc. And uh, it, it's a nice little conversation between the two of them. It's nice to see them have a scene together. I thought her accent slipped a couple times. Uh, one time when she said God and one time when she said another word, I forget what it was, but you definitely heard her accent coming through. Otherwise, I thought she had a pretty accent. solid accent. Um, that's a good question. It was hard for me to place. Let me look up her. Uh... She's. Uh, we heard her at the uh, at the panel. She's British, I would say, right, Russ? I was gonna say maybe Welsh, actually. I, if I, re- I mean, it just it seemed English to me at the time, but it could be from you know a different country. But it sounded. I did think she was going in and out, but it sounded like she had a a drawl, a southern drawl for a while, and then she didn't have any accent whatsoever. I didn't hear any any British in there. I'm still impressed at Andrew Lincoln's ability to keep his British accent out of it. Uh, actually, <laughs> and I think we might've talked about this when we talked about when she was cast, she was born in Philadelphia and lived in Cherry Hill Township, New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes from where I'm recording right now, but she grew up in, uh, in the United Kingdom. So, okay. So that would explain the, the quite heavy accent that she has in real life. But yeah, I thought in general, I thought her accent was very effective, except for the one or two times where, where it faded out. Whatever. Uh, then we go back to Rick and Lori and they discuss, you know, Rick's all excited that the one thing Carl talked about when he woke up was how beautiful the deer was. And so he makes this the crux of his argument for why why letting Carl die would not be the answer because Carl was so fixated on the beautiful things in life and not the death and the zombie. Um, like I said before, I don't agree with Lori. I agree with Rick in spirit, but that was a stupid argument. Yeah, I mean, Carl is just their hope in general. I mean, you know, you have you have two parents and a young kid. I guess you're hoping that you can make this right somehow for him. Um, I guess the delivery of that message was a little bit off here. And at this point, I'm tired of seeing Rick sit around all episode. You know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like I get it, but all right. At this point, we've been doing it for like 40 minutes now, and everybody's looking at the clock going, man, I can't believe there's only 15 minutes left of this show. Um, so, yeah, that's where I was at with that. So after they have this discussion, uh, Herschel comes in, he's checking Carl's blood pressure, and he says, look, it's really bad. We need to make a decision right now. Either we do the surgery without the supplies that Shane Erdos went to get, or he's simply, he's not going to make it. Uh, so they decide, let's take the chance. We're going we're gonna to do the surgery. And right before, you know, they're about ready to start cutting into Carl, Shane shows up in the truck with the supplies without Otis. And uh, Shane says that Otis simply didn't make it. And uh, they, they decide to go in and start the surgery. At this Let's point, we, we haven't seen – we didn't see what happened to Otis at all. So you know something's up. Right. I thought maybe I fell asleep for like a minute and a half or something and just didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And I was, had they already asked each other how many you got? I got one left. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I th- um, actually, yeah, they had did. They, well, they had two discussions about bullets. They had one on top of the bleachers and they had one – very shortly before the major scene goes down. Well, we saw no they they had discussed it at first. We saw them say how many do you have? I got one. Yeah, me too. And then we cut back to the house and then Shane arrives. So we saw the beginning of that scene once. Okay. Then later on, we cut back to them albeit from different angles. We see him doing the same thing. How many you got? I got one. Yeah, me. I got one left too. So, okay. I'm just trying to get it in my head that we actually did see Shane notice in a 
I mean, the whole episode, they were in a precarious situation. But when we yeah. last saw them, the last thing we saw before we saw Shane arrive at the house was them being chased by a bunch of zombies. Yes. Uh, we then cut back to Dale. Uh, he's back on top of the RV. And he sees Dale and Andrea comes back. And this is where, this is the object I was talking about, Brad. He gives Andrea back her gun. And he apologizes for taking away her decisions and her choices. Uh, they were hers to make, not his. And he asks her to forgive him. She says she's trying, but she's not sure. And she walks away. Oh, I thought you said he left and went walking to go find the object. Well, I was saying he, he left and next time we see him, he has the object. So you could make the assumption that he had it stashed in another car so she wouldn't find it or something. I have no idea. I but I mean, it was just something that he could have done to pass the time. Gotcha. Back at the farmhouse, this is where we have another uh, big scene between Maggie and and Glenn. Uh, she's talking about the people she's lost, how long she's known Otis, as we're talking about John. Uh, she says her stepmother died, her stepbrother died. All this fits pretty closely with the comics, I think, if I remember correctly. Although I don't remember if they were uh, stepmother and step-siblings, but regardless. And this time Herschel comes out, he sa- he tells Rick, he tells Lori, Carl seems stable. Looks like everything worked. And at this point, he's going to have to go break the news about Otis to Patricia because they kept it from her so she would be able to help help Herschel with the surgery. And in the background, as Lori goes to see Carl, we can definitely see uh, Patricia collapse. She starts crying. They didn't really focus on it too much, which is probably a good decision. They focus more on on Shane and Lori and stuff. But Lori goes in the bedroom to see Carl. Shane follows her. She asks him to stay, and he does for a few seconds, but then he leaves. Yeah, I I don't want to comment on that last part until we do the ending. Well, I'll definitely leave my comment of what I thought at the time, which is, man, poor guy. He just risked his life. He was the only one to get back. He still doesn't feel like he can be part of this family because of some of the other things he's done. Doesn't it suck to be Shane? And then, of course, the rest of the episode happens. But it was a nice uh, sucker punch there on the part of the writers, I thought. This scene, when, when he comes back and he explains what happened to Otis, um, I think two things. One, I think it elevated my respect for John Bernthal as an actor because I think he did a really good job of of playing somebody playing that he's he was concerned and he's tore up about something. And, and at the time, I knew, okay, we didn't see what happened, so something happened other than what he's telling us. And I didn't know the specifics of it. I didn't know if he just said, screw you, I'm out. Or what, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it also just elevated my uh, my liking for Shane as a character in this show. And if if you'd have told me last season, about fourth or fifth episode, that Shane would be becoming one of my favorite characters in the show, I would have probably laughed and said you were crazy. But this show really, this episode really, like I said, turned the corner for me with Shane, and I'm really, really liking what they're doing with him. And, uh, you know, Bernthal's portrayal of the character and how he's stepping up and and I think becoming unhinged. And and I'm curious to see where they go from here with that. But um, but I was just really impressed with the fact that that this has taken this turn for me personally watching the show. Like I said, I guess it was last week or week before we um, we didn't get a chance to know Shane really in the comic. So I'm still not sure if I like Shane or not, as a human being, as a character, he's definitely one of the most interesting characters on the show. And uh, I like any part of the story that has to do with him. I may not agree with some of his morals and ethics, but he is one of the more interesting characters, definitely, on the show. And I'm, I'm glad that we are able to 
to have him, whereas we didn't in the comic. So after he leaves the room, Maggie comes. She gives Shane some clean clothes. They're going to be a bit big for him, though, because they were Otis's old clothes. Uh, he goes up to the bathroom to shower and get changed. Apparently, they have some type of gener- generator on the farm of some type, for sure. We talked about it last episode, but they definitely have power because he takes a shower. There's electric lights. He uses an electric uh, clipper set. So he, he he kind of raids the bathroom to find the hair clipper set. We see on the side of his head, kind of uh, the top side, he's got some type of wound to his skull. I thought that he was bit. I, I thought it was too. I really thought that he got bit. And I was like, ooh, it's, 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 a, it's a small wound. So they could play this out for quite a while. It's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> it's getting better. Um, yeah. So it's about a scratch. Yeah. For, for a minute. I, I thought, oh, man, wouldn't this be interesting is that Shane was bit and it was just kind of a little scratch and he's going to slowly just get more and more unhinged and start to go crazier and crazier until it culminates with him, you know, turning into a zombie. Um, and then I kind of figured, you know, and then obviously what what happens. But but was just it, for that one minute, I really thought that that might have been what was going on. Was it at this point when – they when he goes into the shaving of his head intercut with what actually happened exactly yes yeah okay so this is I, where this is where we go back to him and Otis at the school they've both got just one shot left and uh, you know they discuss they discuss that they're they're both what maybe 20 feet away from the zombies they're barely keeping ahead of them they're out of breath they're both limping and uh Shane says, you know, after they discuss that they're down there the last bullet, as in save the last one, he says he's sorry, Shane does, and he shoots Otis in the leg. Otis tries to fight back and attack Shane, and Shane, and this is where he rips out some of his hair and gives Shane that wound to the head. Shane is able to, to break his hold and knock him down. He grabs the other backpack, and he leaves Otis to be devoured by the zombies. Um, it's a particularly bloody and gross devouring. We haven't seen one quite that bad, maybe since the horse, honestly, from season one. And, uh, you know, like Brad said, we intercut between this and him shaving his head. And then we end again with the same shot that we kind of opened with in that in the, in the end of that first scene where he looks into the mirror in a very creepy and I'll use the word you did before unhinged. He has a very unhinged look in his eye as the episode ends. Yeah. Well, this is what I want to say. Uh, I'm, I'm so on the fence still with motive here. When you think about the situation, there's no other move. If he, you know, what what would be the more noble thing to do? Sacrifice yourself and let Otis make it? Otis would never make it. I'd say they both have about the same amount of chance, and Otis has medical training. He Otis has, has uh, firearms much training. less He's chance. He's a valuable guy to have around. Cardio, dude. Otis is not going to make it if Shane gives himself up. They're both if- running at the same speed. I can't yeah, imagine that he'd be able to keep up that pace as long as Shane would, no. though. Shane's in way better shape than Otis is. There's no, yeah. I mean, cut off each one of their legs. Shane's going to make it out much more um, probable than than Otis making it. out. Otis would have already made it out if he hadn't stopped to save Shane's life. But that's right. not that's that's neither here nor there because they're, sure they're still no no no, no. That still that's not going to make Shane say well I'm going to give up everybody's going to die because I have to sacrifice myself now so Fat Boy can run ten more feet before he gets eaten that's not going to change where you're going now I'm not I don't I still again I, the motive is still kind of unclear in my head because when I look back at the conversation that Lori had with Shane and he and she said stay. 
it totally, when I saw this, I totally went, this bastard did this just to get back in with Lori. So I didn't think that at all. I, 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 I'm kind of on the fence with why he actually did it, but I really think it's the only move. If he gives himself up, there's no way there that, that Otis is making it. I, I think Shane has too much self-preservation in him to give himself up regardless. Um, I think we saw that when he left Rick in the hospital. I mean, if, 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 if Shane was truly selfless, he would have found a way to get Rick out with him in the hospital, but he didn't. He knew that there was no way he was going to make it out alive if he tried to get Rick Rick out. So he did what was best for Shane. Yeah, and I mean, let's, at this, I'm, I'm just sorry, gonna, I'm, No, it's all right. I was just going to say, go back to the chicken coop story. <laughs> Shane's mission was to bring the meds back and be the hero with Lori right. and Carl and everybody. So he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that he does that. Yes. Yeah, and, th- and that's where I was going with the second half of that is, Shane is not going to let, I, I think more specifically Carl even, than Lori. He's not going to let Carl down. He is not going to be the one responsible for that boy dying because he couldn't get back. Um, and I think he feels that way for more than one reason. He doesn't want to yeah. be ostracized from the group more than he is, regardless of the fact that he has been talking about leaving. And he's come to love Carl as if he was his own kid. And, and I think he's, he's starting to feel like he's reconnecting with Rick. I mean, the two of them, I mean, he basically had that conversation with, with Rick in the last episode of, you know, you need to pull it together. You need to get it together. You know, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to lift yourself up. And Rick responded positively to that. So I think he's feeling, even if he's still on the outs with Lori, if he maintains his, his good with Rick and saves Carl's life, that he's in a good spot. So I think there are a lot of motivations going on for Shane there. And I think some of it is, like we said, he's, he's coming unhinged. I think, um, I think it's really portraying Shane as a – he's a selfish guy. And, I mean, we all know what it, likes, what it feels like to be selfish. And, you know, if we were honest with ourselves, we're probably more selfish than we want to be as human beings. But this selfishness, I think, is really going to – end up making for some incredibly awful consequences for Shane down the line may not be related to this particular event, but I think one of these days his selfishness is going to be his undoing regardless of, of how it is. I I think Shane's going to die because of something Shane did selfish. That's my feeling. Um, I had noticed on Twitter John, some of our followers were asking, do you think Shane shot Otis as revenge for him shooting Carl? And I didn't get one bit of that. I no, think either. I think it came down to it's either this guy or me. And if insert, I insert pretty much anybody else for Otis and Shane makes the same decision. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'd go so far as to say he would have done it to Rick. If it was Rick, he would have done it to Rick. He would have done because, it to Rick in the school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he uh, he is definitely the most interesting character, which, <laughs> like you, Russ, if you had told me last season that that I would be more interested in Shane than, than Daryl, 
or Rick even, because I think Rick in the comic is just one of the coolest characters ever to be in a comic book, but I would have said you're crazy, just like you. So this is really, really interesting. The Shane story is the only thing that kept me from being tremendously bored with this episode, and I know I've said it a few times, but um, yeah, it's it's really it really makes me, as a human being, uncomfortable to admit out loud that I'm more interested in Shane as a character than anybody else because Shane is not, I, this is what I get. Shane is not a good guy. He's a selfish guy who knows, who knows how to act and make people think what he wants to think. So this is only going to make for interesting situations down the line. I want to, I want to think that he didn't plan it the whole time, but the whole, how many bullets she got left thing. I mean, well, I I didn't get the idea that he was planning it either, but I think when it came down to it and he realized we're not getting out of this, how can I make the most of this situation? You know, this also makes me, uh, it also makes me want to comment on something Jordan said earlier. And I can, I can answer this question as far as how you feel. What do you think the title of this episode means? Jordan Save the last one. You're thinking it, it meant save the last bullet in the gun. And I posed this on Twitter earlier and we had some people say that we had some people say that they thought it meant saving Carl. They thought some other people meant, uh, uh, some other people thought it meant uh, Shane saving himself. I don't know. I just kind of wondered what you guys, where your school of thought was on why, what that title of the episode referred to. Cause I think it has multiple meanings actually. I think it confirms that he planned it and he was saving the last bullet to shoot Otis with. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I definitely think it was the b- bullet as well. I mean, I mean, I could see how you could make something else work, but I think Occam, Occam's Razor says that the simplest explanation of saving one bullet, which is a, a horror trope, which is an action movie trope, you know, I think that just works. Who's Occam? Occam's Razor. Never heard that before? No, why do you throw these highbrow legalese terms at me? It's not it's not really a legalese term. It's I've basically heard that before Bradley. You, Brad, you and it, your you and your arguendo. <laughs> yeah. Brad, the, the argument basically is if you go to sleep right now and you wake up in the snow on the ground, there could be a hundred explanations. Someone could have gotten a whole bunch of snow, shipped it in, dumped it on your front lawn. It might not actually be snow, it could be baking powder. Or now granted not in Texas, but in other parts of the world, the best the simplest explanation is Hey, when I was asleep, it snowed. And so you can say, yeah, I can come up with other explanations, but the simplest one is most of the time going to be the correct one. If it's yellow and it quacks, it's probably a duck. Gotcha. Not a Labrador retriever. Let's do uh, ratings. Brad, why don't you start? Because I have a feeling yours will be the lowest. Yeah, I'm going to give it um, I'm gonna give it three, three and a quarter. I don't remember what I gave last Last week was a two, two and a half. Yeah, it, this this was only marginally better. I'm gonna give it a three. I'm with Russ. They need to they need to step it up a bit. Russell, I will give this a three and a half. Um, and if it wasn't for the Rick bits, this would probably be a four easily. Um, I think the Shane stuff and the Daryl Andrea stuff, and even the the Dale Andrea stuff. Um, and of course, Glenn and Maggie, that's what really um, tipped the scales towards the higher rating for me. 
So so yeah, three and a half. I'm slightly higher. I was in the three and a half, three three and a half range for all the things that Russ just said, but the ending brings it to a four for me, mostly because it really felt like a Walking Dead comic book ending. You know, last page of the trade, holy yep. crap moment, twist that you didn't see coming. I really appreciated that. It really felt like, you know, it was I was reading a Kirkman comic book, which is awesome. So that brings it to a four for me. Yeah, you, you convinced me. It deserves a solid three and a half for me. Too late. Simply, it's too no, late. It's never you too. Are... It's never no. too late. Uh, simply for the ending, which I honestly did not see coming, and I love that kind of uh, two by four to the head. I really like this episode. I understand where you're coming from, Brad and Russ, and and quite a lot of people I've seen on Twitter and the Facebook group and other places saying that the pacing is too slow for them. Um, in general, that it needs to be sped up. It's it's not even the pacing. However, to me, that is pretty much exactly the pacing I expect from Walking Dead, be it the show or the comic. Okay, expand. It's it, it's not even the pacing. It's it's the type of pacing, if that makes sense. I mean, I enjoy the the strong character moments in the book. Like I said, it doesn't have to be all about a zombie around every corner. Um, but I think it's just too much of the same. It's too much. Um, like, like John said, Rick sitting around moping and doing nothing. Um, I, I think if we would have had more varied character moments or something else going on, it, that the slower pace would not bother me as much. Okay. And, and like I said, I mean, for me, this feels like The Walking Dead. This feels like what I expect going in. Um, there was nothing in this episode that I didn't like, quite honestly. Uh, there was nothing that was spectacular, except for that ending, but there was nothing that I could point to saying, yeah, I didn't like that line delivery or that scene or that characterization. I'm going to give it a solid four and a half. I, I really did enjoy this one uh, quite a bit. And I hear next week is even better, but we, we will certainly see. And I'm sure there'll be a wide variety of opinions as usual. Maybe, maybe I'll hate next week's who knows, but yeah, I really did enjoy this one. This feels like what walking dead is supposed to be to me. Well, if we go to the Twitter and the Facebook um, we also ran a little poll. We've been putting up a poll on Twitter and Facebook to try to keep all of the comments in one place. Uh, 44% of the people were four and a half, uh, with 28% giving it a four and 12% each for five and three and a half. So the lowest vote was uh, three busters with 4%. So pretty much four and a half, four were your most common, couple of fives, couple of three and a halves. So pretty much in that range. Pretty um, pretty positive again. I have some Twitter ratings real fast. Lynn gave it a 4 out of 5. New Levels of Darkness. Uh, Luthen gave it a 3.5. The Sophia stuff is getting old. They need to find her quick. Uh, Soda, 3.5. Would have given it less, but the idea of Shane wearing Otis's pants made me bump it up higher. He's quite a character, that Soda. Um... Courtney says the whole, you know, again, the uh, the Sophia stuff is old. They need to find her next week or not. She did give it a four, so she liked the show. Liz gave it a 4.25. Um, she says Shane may have ultimately saved Carl, but she still wants to punch him in the face. Uh, Caesar gave it a five out of five. Summer gave it a four and a half. Aqua Boy, four busters out of five. So, again, a lot of real positive stuff. 
the Twitter people are pretty happy. Our buddy Aaron from the Out Now podcast gave it a four and a half. Uh, adds plenty of layers to Shane's character. Solid blend of character and zombies. Good as it has gotten this season. So, once again, uh, the Twitter people are happy, so that's cool. A couple of other interesting tweets that I just wanted to mention quickly. The Wow Sheep said, Love your podcast and The Walking Dead. Can't wait to get it illegally tomorrow morning. Greetings from the Netherlands. So how cool is that? Thank you for that tweet. Um, so we does... Yes? We don't... Um, condone that? We don't condone de- uh, legally uh, obtaining copies of the show, by the way. Agreed. Uh, we were talking about how they had electricity on the farm, and Soda said, I think they have zombies in giant hamster wheels. So that was lovely. Uh, uh, Tiny Rubber Robot says, if they both limped on and got caught, there's no way Carl gets his meds. That was rough, but he probably saved Carl's life, of course, referring to the ending. And the last one from Soda, we're going to have to, we're giving Joe Jantz major props tonight, but he said, shaving your head does not make up for being an a-hole. <laughs> it, di- it didn't work in my, in my instance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so awesome. we want to thank everybody on uh, the Facebook and the Twitter. I got a bunch of other, it, so many people uh, participate that way, which is awesome. Uh, Mick gave it four busters. Michelle gave it four and a half. I mean, I could go on and on reading Twitters and Facebooks, but we're already going long tonight. But we do appreciate everybody that participates that way. We have a great time tweeting during the show. Uh, a lot of the cast members join in, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I, I actually kind of woke up out of my slumber and uh, yes, and got in on the action. Russ is now following the WDTV podcast Twitter. So, so that's I'm actually, awesome. I'm actually tweeting. I think I've tweeted more during that show than I did in the two plus years I've had a Twitter account. So. <laughs> yeah, the live reactions are fun. I just want to tell everybody because there were a couple people that mentioned this. You know, if you really, we do the best we can without spoiling, but stay off of Twitter. And you know, if you didn't see last night's show, don't jump into the Facebook group at eight in the morning the next day. Because that's all that anybody's going to be posting about, and uh, it's impossible. We want to have the conversations after it airs and stuff, so you might want to just will. hang on until you've, if you're a DVR watcher and, and whatever, wait till you're caught up. I, you know, I will I'm, try and not spoil in in the actual uh, thread title. So shame on me. Well, it's funny, um, as as you guys know, it, it'll be painful for me to bring this up, but. Uh, last night, Sunday night football was Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So I elected to watch that, even though I knew what was going to happen. I still watched it because I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. And I recorded The Walking Dead with the intention of watching it after the game. I get email notifications from Facebook, um, among which are the postings in The Walking Dead uh, Facebook group. And I my phone buzzed while I was watching the uh, Cowboys game and <laughs> I got an email and it, the subject or the thing was Facebook and it was Russ L saying, I think there's more to Otis Otis's death than we're being led to believe or whatever. And I was like, well, dang it. Why did I check that? Because now I know Otis is dead and I haven't even seen the daggum episode yet. So I, I fell victim to that also. <laughs> I I will refrain from that in the future. I apologize to all. Well, you know what? John's right. If you want to be surprised, 
just exercise a little willpower and stay off of Twitter. Stay off the Facebook. Don't check your email until you see the thing. It's not that hard. And yet, it happened to me. So, it's not... I, I think if somebody gets spoiled, it's their own fault. Jordan, do we have a title for next week's show? Okay, so next week's episode is called Cherokee Rose, and the blurb says, Shane makes a deadly sacrifice. The group tries to hang on between living to die or dying to live. So, not a whole lot there, but I'm sure there'll be zombies. Oh, there will be zombies. Oh, yes. There will be blood. Jordan, why don't you tell everybody about the cool thing you got to do, and then we'll wrap this one up. Sure. Well, like I mentioned um, 20 minutes into the episode... You can, if you send us an email or a voicemail saying what you think happened to Sophia, what happened to her, where she is now, etc. And if you're right, you can win Volume 1 or Volume 2 of the trade paperback signed by Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead, and Chris Hardwick, the host of AMC's Talking Dead. And the way I came across those was I was invited, well, Walking Dead TV was invited to an event in New York uh, hosted by Hyundai Veloster. Uh, and they were going to have Chris Hardwick and Robert Kirkman there for an impromptu Q&A, uh, which was a really cool event. And they asked, hey, is anyone in the area who can come up? I was the only one who was. So I went up. There's going to be an article going up on HHWLOD.com pretty soon that's got pictures and a, and a whole description of what was there. Needless to say, it was awesome. Even aside from the Walking Dead stuff, it was one of the coolest experiences and nights I've ever had. Uh, tricked out cars, open bar, lots of cool art, uh, video games, 3D TVs, all kinds of cool stuff. And I got to sit in the front row of a group of about 100 people there to see Robert Kirkman and Chris Hardwick. I got to ask the first question. I won a couple prizes. Um, I'm going to be giving some of them away. I also got you know some of the stuff signed. Like I said, volumes one and two of the trade paperback. Got them signed right there by Chris Hardwick and Robert Kirkman. Those could be yours if you send in your contest entry, and we'd love to give them away. So, like I said, check out hhwlod.com in the next few days, and there should be an article up there about this whole event. It was a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff going on there. And, of course, I want to give a big shout-out and a big thank you to Mr. Jason Crotty from, uh, he was with Remix Lab that was the, and Hyundai Veloster, that was the group that put on the event. Um, thank I want to thank him a, a super ton for inviting me out there. I got to talk to him for a few minutes. Real nice guy. Uh, this was a really cool event. They're actually going to be going around the country uh, to several different cities. Uh, New York was the first one, but they're going to L.A., Las Vegas, uh, a couple others. If you get a chance to go out there, I don't think they're going to have Walking Dead stuff at each one, but regardless, it was awesome. So if you get a chance to go out there, do yourself a favor and do so. It was awesome. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Last thing before you wrap this one up, Jordan, again, our awesome uh, episode synopsis came from Sarah Simmons, and she writes for Picktainment.com, P-I-C-K-T-A-I-N-M-E-N-T. And they do recaps and reviews for tons of TV stuff. So we want to thank her for linking us to it. And uh, we'll probably be using them from now on. Yeah, that was a big help. So thank you very much for, uh, for posting that. Very cool. So that is it for the end of this very long show. You can send us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. You can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget, check out Brad's show, Half Hour Wasted on Mondays, and the rest of our show, Legion of Dudes on Thursdays, all at hhwlod.com, and the brand new Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which talks about every week's new release movies. Don't forget to check out forumforgeeks.com, the home of the Walking Dead TV podcast, or the Walking Dead Podcast Network. Don't forget to mention Russ's new show show too oh yes of course the tech brand dudes, new tech they, dude show they talk about digital watches is that right russ 
calculator Something watches, right? Close, yeah. It's very, it's very close to that. The brand new pocket protectors that are out, uh, code, reel to reel tape stuff. Commodore sixty. Oh, <laughs> Commodore sixty four. I gotta hear this episode. <laughs> Check out the Facebook groups for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, Walking Dead TV, Media Made. It's out now with Aaron and Abe on Facebook. Just do a search for those and follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, you don't have to run faster than the zombie. You just have to run faster than the guy on your right. Have a good day. Have a good week. Have a good time. <laughs> I want a little more oomph out of you this time, Russell. Yeah, once again with feeling. Once more. She didn't get it in her mouth. I mean, that's all I can think of. Are we going to have to beep that? (laughs) We probably wouldn't have had to had you... Until now. Until (laughs) I I can just cut that How about a blooper? How about a blooper? Blooper? Everybody, blooper, blooper, good? Okay. Sure. Can you guys hear hear me? Hear me? me? Yeah. You guys there? There? Nice and clear. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. All right, all right, all right. Ouch, ouch, ouch. That wound the head. Uh, Shane, you know, beats him off. Gra- whoa, let me rephrase whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Quickly. I can do nothing quickly. Edit, 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 edit. Open the page, computer. Don't have to run faster than the bear. Just have to run faster than you. <laughs>